welcome to this episode of Talking Theology Along the Way. I'm Dustin Coleman, and our aim is to help real-life people think theologically through real-life problems for God's glory and our everlasting joy. On today's podcast, we've got a guest with us. We've got Brandon Matthews. He's a guy I've gotten to know here over the last couple of months. And our topic for this podcast is leadership. The reason I wanted to have Brandon on the podcast to talk about leadership is he's somebody that, number one, thinks about leadership a lot. And number two, I've seen God use him to bring about fruit through his leadership. So professionally, he's the basketball coach for a private school here in town. Last year, coached the boys to state championship. This year has led a 10-win turnaround in his girls' program. They're about to start going into the Elite Eight tournament. That's right. But then also in the church, I've seen the fruit of his leadership. So many young college guys, so many guys just out of college have pointed back to me, hey, Brandon Matthews has been a, been a big influence in my life. So I wanted to bring him on and talk today about leadership. Brandon, good to have you on the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So Brandon, I'm going to jump right in here. First question I, I want to ask you is, we talk about leadership. There might be people who turn off and say, well, I'm not in a position of leadership. But why should every Christian think about leadership and leadership principles? As I was, I think the reason everybody has to be, all Christians need to think about leadership is because leadership has to do with people. I mean, that's really the essence of it. I think, I think there's a misunderstanding, uh, especially with, within the Christian world about what leadership is. Does that mean is that reserved to a specific title or status or, or um, uh, things of that nature? But really and truly leadership is, which we'll talk about, I know, just leadership is about investing time in people. And so if you look at the Bible, it's very clear God instructs us as Christians to care about other people, to encourage other people, to serve other people, think about other people, build them up. So, I mean, leadership is just about people. So, so if you're around people, yeah you need to think about how to be a good leader. Yeah. If you're in the home, if you're married, you need to think about being a good leader. If you have kids, you need to think about being a good leader. If you're in a church, if you work someplace, if leadership is really about interactions with people in a positive way, yeah. then you don't have to be the leader of a corporation or leader of a ministry right. or a coach. You don't have to necessarily be those things to care about leadership. Yes, that's exactly right. Christians, I think, just in some capacity – they're going to be leaders by nature in some sense. I mean, obviously that looks differently for different people, but as you said, if you're around people, leadership is, is applicable to you and leadership, it's, a, it's important to understand leadership and, and how that plays out for sure. You think about, especially Christians, Christians inherently in being a Christian, you're on mission. So there's yeah. a goal that we're trying to accomplish. As Christians, so anytime you need a goal, a goal is I'm working towards somewhere where I'm not right now, which means leadership. So all Christians need to think about that. If you were to whittle down leadership to one or two sentences, if I were to ask you, Brandon, what is leadership at its fundamental nature? What, what would you say? Yeah, I think there's so many great, great, great quotes I've heard and things of that nature. However, I think it's really just a matter of investing your time, right? Investing your time in your personal self to help another person grow towards a goal. 
and I've heard it say like this, it's personal sacrifice for another's joy or personal sacrifice for another's success or something of that nature. So in essence, it's really trying to influence another person towards a goal, whatever that might be. Um, again, there's there's tons of different quotes all over the place, but that, that's in essence investment of your life into another person as they grow towards a specific goal or something of that nature. So leadership inherently is about other people. Yeah. It's not even really about what you as a leader can accomplish. No. It's about what you can help other people accomplish. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about, I was thinking as you were talking a moment ago, just thinking about within the church, specifically discipleship, right? If you look at discipleship, that's leadership in essence. And discipleship, yes, there's personal personal growth for you as you might disciple another person or lead someone in their walk with Christ. But the end goal is to see that person grow as a disciple maker too. So it really, it's really not about, it's not about yourself at all. It's really about other people and having, and seeing them grow towards a specific goal, whatever that is. Yeah. So I, I think about even, you know, we're both married and so we have an interaction there with another person. Yeah. And sometimes when I hear people say things like, man, I'm going to disciple my wife, it makes me uh, crinkle up my nose a little bit because that sounds kind of, patronistic like i'm gonna disciple my wife i'm married to my wife you know but at the same time if i care about her as a person then i want to contribute to you said the word earlier joy i want to see her get beyond where she is so that she'll have more joy and that's not me taking her through a leadership four-point leadership course but it is about what kind of a husband do i need to be to help my wife beth accomplish what she really wants to do mm-hmm. that might not mean that i'm sitting her down on the couch and saying now principle number one yeah. we're not talking about that but it's just does that include okay dustin for her to, to spend time working on that let's say a, a goal of hers this is an actual goal is to disciple other women well one thing i can do to help her do that is say hey i will regularly watch the kids on this particular time so that you can go and do that She's the one doing the actual ministry, but in a way, based on your definition of leadership, I'm also leading because I'm helping her do. Yeah. I'm making, the, I mean, it's not a sacrifice to spend time with my kids, right. but I'm going to say, hey, I will be home. I'll be here. I'll watch the kids. You go do that. And that's one way I can help her. Yeah. I think when we, one of the first, I remember one of the first interactions we had, I can't remember how you said it, but you're talking about, how you were just thinking about all these guys and how they could grow. And I was like, really, that's all leadership is just thinking about other people. Yeah. And so you're thinking about, uh, thinking about Beth, your wife in terms of that. And I felt uh, interesting. You say that, you know, whenever I tried to be really structured with leadership with my wife, I did really, really bad. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. However, if it's more organic in terms of it really might just be, Hey, will you, will you get George dressed during this time? It might be our son, George, it might be something as simple as that. So yeah. Um, I can relate to to that as well. Yeah, there'll be some times where I'll either come out of a prayer time or I'll just be thinking about something. Man, this is where I want my family to go, and I'll type up a document, right? And I'll bring it to Beth, and she looks at me like, "Exactly, what is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is that?" You know. So it's not always like an official. It's just I like the way you put that. It's about you said something about sacrificing to help others achieve their goals to yeah. bring them joy. That's really all it is. It's about, in the words of, I love this analogy from Thabiti Anyabwile. 
he was talking about specifically ministry in the church. He said, leadership in the church is about getting up underneath people and pushing them up. Yeah, I like that. Into Jesus. So we talk about that. I mean, it's inherently servant oriented. It's right. not like service is an aspect of leadership. Hearing what you're saying, there is no leadership without service. Yeah. And maybe you can speak to this. I was thinking about it like with with companies like Chick-fil-A that are really, it seems like servant leadership is becoming more glamorized and more mainstream. Yeah. You're seeing it. In I don't know. And I don't know when, I don't know when exactly that started to tilt. I don't know. But as long as I can remember, even going to Troy University here in Troy, our Chancellor Jack Hawkins was always speaking about servant leadership. That's all we heard about. So I don't know if there's a specific time throughout history where that was the case or in the recent years. It just seems as if there's more of a shift towards leadership and servanthood or one and the same. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know if you can speak to that at all, but it seems as if it's more popular now uh, than, than what I remember or growing up. I don't know. Yeah, if you if you look at books like John Maxwell's Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which yeah. that book's probably 20 years old yeah. now, I think. It's, yeah. But he was citing literature even before then that was talking about people are realizing that servant leadership actually produces the best results. Right. And I mean, it makes sense on one level because someone that I know has my absolute best interests at heart. Man, I'm going to run through the wall for that guy. That's right. Yeah. If, I mean, I think about, I grew up watching the Atlanta Braves. Bobby Cox, as far as a tactical manager, was bad. He, he wasn't great. He, he didn't manage his bullpen very well. But the thing that players said over and over and over again is, I would do anything for that man because they knew he had their back. He mm -hmm. would go up there and I think he holds the record for most of yeah. the he, he got ejected out of like a whole season's worth of games. Yeah, I think that's right. So like 165 ejections, but it's him just going to bat for his players. And you would never badmouth him in the media. He was always for them. So they would they would play their hearts out for him. So it makes sense that if someone is absolutely for you, rather than you think they're just using you to accomplish their own ends, mm -hmm. if I think you're using me, I might do what I have to do to keep my job or whatever, or stay yeah. on the team or whatever. But if I know that you would run through a wall for me, that's going to make me want to run through yeah, that's the right. wall for you. That's right. So thinking about leadership as, as servant-oriented, you and I were talking the other day about the components of, of leadership. What, what does leadership actually, actually look like? And I think, number one, would you agree with this? That leadership starts with some kind of a vision. No doubt. This is where we want to go. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, and I think, well, maybe we'll get into it a little later, but I think that that absolutely has to be, that has to be the first step if there's a step really in terms of where do we want to go like what do, what do we what's the destination look like that we're trying to head to um so yeah i think that's absolutely right so talk about that so you're you're a basketball coach mm. successful basketball coach you've gotten again last year the girls team that you coach like 12 and 16 something like that yeah. this year 21 and 7 mm -hmm. going straight to the elite eight for the first time in a long time mm -hmm. Is your only goal state titles? Is your only goal wins? What you said a goal? It's not always single, but what what are some goals that you try to set? Yeah, so the very beginning of the year, and this has been any time that I've served as a head coach in any capacity, this has really been my vision statement, and it's made very clear 
at the beginning of the year. And it's, it's this, it's to develop, develop players as Christ-like leaders who will put the interests of others before themselves, make positive contributions to the world, and then pursue excellency in acad academics and athletics. So in a nutshell, I want you to grow as a leader, a Christ-like leader, and I want us to be elite, and I want to pursue excellency every day. So if you'll notice within that, yeah, we want to pursue excellency, but seldom, for instance, you mentioned our record, I don't, we don't talk about that ever. I mean, they're not allowed to, you know, we, <laughs> we, we have, we have, you know, we talk about zero and zero, we're zero and zero every day, right? We want to dominate the day that we're in. We want to dominate whatever we're doing. If we're, you know, we do some reading partnerships with elementary school, we want to do all those things. So it's, it's way more holistic than that. And what I found, and I'm very young and very immature and not, I don't know very much at all. What I found is if you make winning the end goal, well, maybe you'll win a lot, but what are you going to, what are you going to sacrifice on the way there? Maybe you sever relationships. So what I try to do is, I, and that's the reason the vision is so important is every day, right, and I'm better on some days than others, I'm thinking about if my vision is to develop these girls as leaders, Christ-like leaders, and develop them as an elite basketball program, what do I need to structure my practice like? How do I need, what do I need to say to them? So that's why, if it's about leadership, that's why we're trying to serve in the community. That's why we're trying to build relationships with younger students. That's why we have certain etiquette in our practices that we go by. Because if it's just about winning, then I think you can cut corners and you can really sacrifice the person themselves. So we, we try to make it only about leadership. Yeah, so it sounds like you're not – it's almost like basketball itself is a means to an end. Absolutely, it's a tool. Athletics – and if you study athletics, football, basketball, it really – the roots of it, specifically football – it was really an effort to kind of rediscover masculinity, specifically within the Christian faith in the earlier in the earlier years. It was extremely dangerous and all those things, but it really was. It wasn't about self-centeredness. It wasn't about look at me. It was really a matter of growing in character, uh, so you can make more positive contributions to the world. You know, and so it absolutely is a tool. It has to be viewed as a tool. That's that's my philosophy on athletics in general. So you would say really the goal of, of your program and your leadership is to build young women because you're women's coach yeah. right now. You're, you're trying to build young women so that high school basketball is a temporary fleeting thing. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. I, I, I played on teams in high school. I ran on teams in high school that were state ranked top 10 in, in the biggest feel that you could be in in those states yeah nobody cares right in 2020 nobody cares right yeah at all right but who i am becoming as a man that is making difference now in my family where i work all those types of things so it sounds like you have as a goal we want to pursue excellence christ-like leadership now, the corollary of that, you're probably going to win more games Absolutely. if you've got people pushing it and striving for excellence and doing things the right way. I was in the backyard with my oldest daughter this weekend, and uh, she's got softball tryouts coming up this week. So we were working on different skills, and she she missed a ball, but her form was right. Yeah, And I was able to tell her, you will never hear me get on to you or correct you if you miss a ball. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If you do it the right way, yeah, and you miss a ball, major league baseball players miss fly balls, right? They miss ground balls. I don't care if you catch it. I care if you do it the right way, because if you do it the right way, ninety nine times out of a hundred, you're going to catch it. I'm not worried about it if you do. Now, if you're getting lazy and you're barely putting your glove up, 
or instead of putting your butt down, you bend right. down at your waist, yeah. then I'm going to get on to you. And I don't care if, if you catch the ball and you do it that way, I'm going to get on to you because I want you to do it the right way. I'm trying to teach her about discipline and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. the actual completion of the sporting event, whether catching or making a basket or whatever, is not really the That's end right. goal. But at the same time, if you catch the ball the right way, if you set the screen the right way, if right. you run the offense the right way, you will probably score. Yeah, absolutely. So we said at the beginning, you know, when we say our vision, we're not, we're not a, we're not a result driven team. Right. So that's why we don't talk about our record. That's why we don't really think about probably, you know, I probably yelled at them and been meaner to them after wins and after losses. If I, if I, if I'm thinking correctly. And, and the reason for that is because I'm behavior driven. Like, how are you behaving? How are you acting? And we might talk, we might segue into this, but within that vision, you know, we talked about here's where we're going. Mm -hmm. and maybe this is a segue into how do we get there? Yeah. That's when you set, we have core values in place. This is what I, when people look at us, like if you come to our game, I want you within the first two minutes of never knowing these girls to say, these girls are about these things. Like there, yeah. there's some, like this is how they play. And so that's that's kind of the more challenging part because everybody has visions. Every, even if yeah. it, even if it's not some in depth, I want to develop these guys as leaders. If it's just I want to win a state championship, that's awesome. But then the how do you achieve that? That's where it gets more complicated and a little more tricky, I think. Well, so, that's the second part of leadership. Yeah. yeah. Not only here's where we want to go. It's easy to pick where you want to go. Right. But then how are we going to get from where we are now? How are we going to get there? To that goal, that's the second essential part of leadership. You yeah. got to help people understand to get there. These are the things that we're going to have to do. Yeah, and you can you, you can talk to it probably in a different sense from 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 church leadership. But as I said, here's your vision, right? Everybody has everybody in some sense. Maybe it's not written down. Maybe it should be, but everybody has an idea. Like this is what I want to accomplish. And again, if mm -hmm. it's in sports, it's to win a state championship or win a championship of some caliber. Then the question becomes, okay, how do we get there? And that's where we list off core values. So we have core values with effort, toughness, discipline, servanthood. So we want to be a team that gives effort to the glory of God. We want to be disciplined, and we look at Scripture in terms of why discipline is a good thing. We want to do the right things. Right? We, want to, we want to make sure we're behaving in the correct ways in terms of pursuing excellency. We want to be tough where no matter the circumstances around us, we're still pursuing our standard. We're still pushing forward. And then lastly, we want to be we want to be more consumed with the success of our teammates and our team than ourselves. That's what we want. Like I want you to feel that and see that when you watch them. Okay. And then the challenge with that is as a coach and as a leader for you as a pastor, and it's a little different environmentally for me. How do I hold them accountable to that standard? So if they're not giving great effort, there has to be consequences or there has to be discipline of some sort for that reason. So maybe for you, maybe you can speak on it from a church perspective. If you're a pastor of a church, here's where we want to go. And we know our we know our vision at Bush here now is to make and equip disciples of all nations to the glory of God. Well, then we've talked about kind of how we want to do that. So maybe mm -hmm. you can speak. Is there core values that you put in place for a church or is it a little more? Does it have to be more structured since it's an organization or something? Yeah, it's definitely different. I can't stand on the sidelines and scream at right. my children's workers whenever right. they don't do something yes. the way I yeah. want them to. But, yeah, there, there have to. There has to be con consequences is probably a bad word in ministry. One thing I've always tried to, to think about is if God is calling us somewhere and we want to go there, then his calling and what he gives us is all that we need. So sometimes people will be like, well, we need this person. 
well, we can't do this because we need these people. And I'm thinking, what I need to do is do what God's calling us to do. And if this person, no matter how vital we might think that they are, if they're not on board with what God is calling us to go, I don't need them. Right. So when I, my, the first senior pastor position I had, in the course of like a week or two, I thought that the top three givers in our church, I don't know what they gave, but I knew what they did for a living, and I knew they were faithful, so I knew it was a, a decent amount. Right. Top three givers were going were gonna to leave. One, for their own reasons, one was going to move away, and another one, I think, was going to move away as well. And I started to get scared thinking, I, I need these people. I need these people. And God used that time to remind me something that Hudson Taylor said, God's work done in God's ways will never let God supplies. There's not anything I need more so than faithfulness. So to me, that gives me the freedom to set a vision in front of people and say, this is where we're going, and I, I need you to be with this vision. Here's what I need you to do. And if you're going to cause problems with that or if you're going to work against that, it it doesn't bother me for them to move on somewhere else. Right. Because I don't feel like I need it. That doesn't mean I'm happy to see them go or, hey, if you're not on board, then leave. Because there's, you have to spend time winning people over and, and making sure that they trust you and all those kinds of things. But in terms of, again, consequences isn't yeah. really the right word. Right. But I think about as, as a family person too. So I think about in, in my home, I want, I want our home to be a place where God is glorified and, and people are served. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's where we want to be. So that's the vision that we set for our family. And then so we've got specific values we want to do. And I, I, we, we work these out. And again, I don't, I don't type up a document anymore, bring it to Beth, but I will yeah. work through ideas and, and talk through it with her. So just this week, we sat down and said, this is what we want to be. We just moved, so we're kind of in a reset. Yeah. Our schedule's a lot different than it was before. Right. So we just thought about things like, we're going to be a home where we encourage one another to grow in Christ. We're going to be a home where we're not dominated by electronics. Yeah. We're going to be a home where we achieve before we rest. So if we're sitting down watching TV and the living room's not clean, that doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. We get stuff done first, then we then we rest. We're going to be a home where we affirm and celebrate one another. Yeah. So if somebody else gets some type of invitation to a birthday party, or whatever, we're not buying gifts for the other kids. Now we're going to celebrate the fact that they get to do something fun. And number five, we're going to use our home to give life to others. Yeah. So just this morning, Beth watched somebody's little one so they could go do some stuff. We want to be a home where people receive life from what we do. So the goal is to glorify God and to serve others. And we've worked out, if we're doing these five things, I feel like we will be a home right? that does those things. That's right. And I think a lot of times, and I talk to people, and, and where we are in the cultural South, everybody's goal, like if you were to sit down and ask somebody, man, what's your goal with your life? I think you could eventually pull out of them to glorify God, right? But then that the challenge there becomes, what does that even look like? You know, in terms of, and I see it all the time, in terms of, you know, award ceremonies or whatever, they just say, thanks to God, which I mean is awesome and all those things, but just just like you said, visions and mission statements for families or organizations or teams that have to have some teeth to it and some core values and some, this is how that practically looks. So for a family who's glorifying to God, we want to be giving to other people and life giving to other people. We want to be 
um, you know, all the things, achievement before rest and all those things. So that's, I think that's, I mean, that's applicable to church, especially, and it's going to play out differently. Yeah, you don't, you don't make Beth run suicides if she, <laughs> if she fails in one of those things, but it, it's similar in terms of vision, mission or mission statement, goal or core values that exist underneath that too. So but it does mean we check in on each other. So one of the things we said, we're not going to be dominated by electronics. We don't take phones into the bathroom because what happens when you go in there? Oh, man. You're sitting there, you're reading something, Scrolling. and you stay in there 10, 15 minutes longer, and you're not out serving the rest of the family. So we, have, uh, we haven't put it up yet. We had one in our last house. We had a basket. As soon as we got home, electronics go in there. That's a great idea. We might check it every once in a while. I know you talked about you put your phone on, don't disturb after a certain time yeah. of night. Mm -hmm. So if we're not going to be dominated by electronics, that means there's limits to TV watching. Yeah. That means our kids don't, they have iPods. They only get them at certain times. Right. And it's, they, they only get them when we go on long trips. Right. They're not, no, we're not sitting around the couch and they've got iPads out playing games on those things. Yeah. We're going to be a family that interacts with one another and, if we're using electronics, it's going to be a means for us to do something together. So we'll bust out. I know this is old school, but we've got a Wii. Mm -hmm. We'll bust that out. We're not playing solo games. We're playing yeah. games that we can all do together. Right. And we're sharing. We're sharing remotes. So moving on from that, you've got to set a vision. You've got to talk about here's how we're going to get there. How do we become these things? A third thing that I think often gets neglected because it's it's harder is constantly asking, how are we doing? Yeah. So it's not just enough to say, here's the vision. Here's what we're, here's how we're going to get there. Okay. As we start going, pausing and saying, how's this, how's this working? Do we need to tweak here? Do we need to tweak there? Are we getting the results? Are these means leading to these ends? I mean, do you do stuff like that? And with basketball, do you ask yourself, cause this is a part where, I mean, yeah. if you're going to demand excellence of them, then you, you better have plays at work. Yeah. You better have defenses that stop them from yes. scoring. You yeah. better have all those things. I think reflection and evaluation kind of plays. That's whenever I think about how are we doing this reflection and evaluation. And in season, it's a little more difficult because the season's going. Now, typically after the season, it's a little easier for me to reflect and all those things. Hannah knows, my wife knows better than anybody, the obsessive tendencies I have in terms of, so I'm always consistently reflecting and evaluating. So early in the season, we were doing kind of a certain system offensively. Well, I didn't think it best fit my players, so we changed that system several games in the season, and it seems as if we've had more success mm -hmm. Yeah, that way from that perspective. But remember, we want to pursue excellency, so we want to do that. But it's a little more difficult to ask about leadership. Like, how am I doing there? Because I might not know for 25 years if I'm a successful coach in that regard. Does that You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So – uh, but yes, there's periods of reflection, evaluation, and coming up, I coach, I help coach football and basketball. The spring is a period of evaluation and reflection where I'm really consuming either books on leadership or resources or clinics or things like that. And I'm also getting, and I'm also, and I have a good relationship with our senior players and other players too. I'm saying, what can I do differently to help us grow as leaders? And that's really tough because there's a girl, there's been time where my girls have told me things they don't like that I've said, and that stings a little bit more. So, but yeah, I think you have to be intentional about how you're doing. But the problem is, whenever you ask how are we doing, that opens up criticism and that opens up oh yeah honesty. <clears throat> but you do have to do that. You, I mean, you have to. If you're not willing to 
ask yourself if, if I'm really being effective and then make the necessary changes to become effective in the areas where you're not. That's, I mean, when leaders get defensive or what, I mean, that's when you start going down a road to ineffective leadership, right? Because you're demanding, you're asking other people to change, yeah. essentially. I mean, to, to lead somebody to get somewhere, they have to do something different than what they've already done. So that's you're right. asking them to change. And if you're not willing to do the same thing, if they don't see you putting in that same time, I think this is what happens a lot of times in churches. They stop asking, is what we're doing working? Yeah. I don't think you'll find a church. I mean, you might. But every church, at least on paper, says something like, we want to glorify God, we want to reach people, yeah. we want to grow in maturity. That's yeah. what we want to do. Yeah. But how many of them are actively asking themselves on a regular basis, okay, these things that we're doing, are they actually glorifying God? Are they actually producing more mature disciples? Do they even have a, a definition of what a mature disciple is so that they can measure it? Is this actually bringing people to faith in Christ? Are we doing those things? And if not... What would we need to change to do that more effectively? It's a scary question for some people, but if you don't ask it on a regular basis, then you're not going to lead very well. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean every month you're tweaking something and every month you're changing it up and you're unrolling a, a new discipleship plan every six months. I mean, that's not something that's going to confuse people. It's going to frustrate. But there's got to be times where we ask, how are we doing? Yeah. I think it goes for family life too. Yeah, absolutely. How's this how's this marriage going? Are we do we enjoy time with each other as much now as we did five years ago? Are are we actually spending time with our kids in a way that's meaningful? A friend of mine, he has this system where he's got he's got jars for each one of his kids. And in those jars he puts beads that represent a month. And every time a month goes by, they take a bead out of those jars as a visual reminder of how much time they have left mm. with each of those kids. So the number of beads is months till they're 18. They yeah. might not actually leave at 18, but yeah. the point is we got about 18 years to pull that arrow string back and fling them out into the world which yes. with either force or distance. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. So it's just a reminder of them, hey, I'm looking at my oldest, half her jar is gone. Am I spending the intentional time with her? Am I developing her into the young lady that she needs needs to become? So, do you, yeah, we've got to have this, how are we doing? And then be willing, like you said, it's going to open up criticism, be willing to say, yeah, I was wrong on this, or I could be better on this. Yeah, I think with, and you keep connection to the family, which is good. That's probably, for me, that's really hard to ask my wife, Hannah, will you tell me, how am I doing with this? Because my wife is the most honest person in my life in terms of, in terms of she's so very, she'll tell you. she's very honest to me, right? She's extremely honest to me. So yeah, I, I think it's good. I love that you keep connecting it to the family and these are, this is really valuable. So yeah, that's good. That's good. But yes, reflection and evaluation at any level of leadership is, is crucial. It's absolutely crucial. That's something that I've tried to ask Beth on a regular basis. If you could change one thing about me, what would it be? Oh, man. Yeah. So just recently, well, I say recently, within the last couple of years, I used to, I, I love connecting with people. Hey, let's let's do lunch. Let's do breakfast. Let's go here. But I would do that without a family calendar in mind. Yeah. So I would go home and I'd say, hey, Beth, I'm meeting with this guy for lunch. And she'll say, we got a game or we've right. got, I'm going to be out of town. I need you home 
with the kids. So she told me, I need you to be more mindful. So she actually found a, a good app on her phone that has, we were able to coordinate all of our calendars on there. I can pull up my phone and see, actually, I can't meet on that day. Yeah. So she helped me get better at planning my time and being there for, for the family. So, yeah, I mean, I don't ask her that every week, but I try to ask on a regular basis. Yeah. What's one thing you would change about me? What's one thing you wish? Instead of forcing her to find some way to talk to me about it, mm-hmm. I give her the opportunity to say, hey, give me give me some feedback. Fourth thing that I think is, is key for leadership, we talked about before, is not only how are we doing, but constantly putting forward, isn't this great? Yeah. This is a great family to be a part of. We try to tell our kids that all the time. It's great to be a Coleman. Yeah. This is a family where you're loved. We're pointing you toward the truth of the gospel. This is great. This is a, and that's not that's not to criticize any other family. Right. I know that there's single dad homes, single mom homes. I know there's kids being raised by grandparents. I know life is complicated. So we're not trying to say that we're better. We're just trying to communicate. You might think that dad's hard and that dad's unfair or whatever, but this is a good family because we care about you here. Yeah. Is that something you try to do with your players and try to, I know you try to say our record zero and zero yeah. every day, but are there yeah. times where you pull back and say, yeah, Hey, Pike girls football or Pike girls football, <laughs> yeah. Pike girls basketball. Yeah. This is a team you want to be on. Yeah. And honestly, we had a conversation, me and you had a conversation about this not long ago. And I think that I'm really bad at that. And I think it's cause I'm, ex- I don't know if this is, I'm really forward thinking. So after a game, it's really difficult for me to say, enjoyed this, right? We got to focus on tomorrow now. However, whenever we talk through that, I don't know if I've ever really intentionally thought through it. I don't actively plan that, but now I do. Because, yes, you're like, you're thinking about girls. You don't realize, you know, preseason, you're waking up at 5 a.m. and you have no idea why. And now you see the way that you've grown. Like, isn't this isn't this awesome? Like, aren't you thankful? You know, aren't you thankful that you put on this hard work and things like that? And as I say, we're we're working towards leadership and being being the standard women's basketball program in the state. This is a good boat to be on. You know what I mean? This is this is this is a fun. This is fun to be on. So yeah, I think especially with girls too. I've always told you there's not really major differences between girls and guys. I think girls need a little more affirmation. So I do want to make sure, like guys. I love being your coach. Like not only like, hey, isn't it great to be on my team? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I I love to be your coach. Like this brings me so much joy and delight, and um, and I want them to be I want them to be excited about where we're heading to as a program as well. But to be completely honest, I think I missed the mark on that a lot until recently, where I was like, man, I really don't ever pause and think and just say, guys, gather around. Like, where else do you want to be right now? And this is this is great. And yeah. I don't even think I do it with my, 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 my wife and my family. I mean, just I've really spent a lot of time thinking on that. And that's whenever I, I texted you that day. And I was like, what was that that quote you mentioned? Because it, it really it really stirred my mind up towards that. So, yeah, this is something I learned from a professor I had in seminary, Dr. Randy Stinson. And I've tried to build it into my life. Just regularly telling Beth, my wife, there is nobody on this planet I would rather spend my life with than you. Yeah. This is my life is infinitely better because of you. Yeah. I would be a worse person. And same thing with, with my kids. I try to tell them, you know, sometimes 
you're in a hurry and you're trying to get things done. I think about this yesterday morning. Charlotte, one our youngest, she wanted to just walk back with me while I brush my teeth. Yeah. And somewhere in me, I'm thinking, man, I, I really need to get going. But just remembering this principle, saying things like, of course you can come with me. I love when you come with me to do stuff. Yeah. You make everything more fun. I'm trying to tell them that so they understand daddy likes to spend time with me. That's good. Coach Brandon enjoys. He's he's hard and his face gets purple when he yells at us sometimes. Yeah. But he he doesn't want to coach anybody else. Yeah. He's got his eyes on this. And the same thing with, with the church, man. I think there's a lot that you could criticize about any church. I mean, pick a church that you admire from afar. I guarantee you when you get up close to it, there's things that's yeah. going on that are discouraging or frustrating to the people leading those ministries. There's lots of things that we could say. You always wish you had more volunteers. You always wish people were more faithful. You always wish people were more mature. But at the same time, regularly telling people, man, I'd come here even if I didn't work here. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. And again, it's not a it's not a criticism of any other church. I don't know why anybody else would go to any church in town right? other than this one. That's right. Because this is... We know where we're going. We're not perfect, but we're heading there. And I, I love you all and I enjoy you all. And you guys are in my heart. And then doing little things like we, we try to build a culture on our staff here where every Monday morning at staff meeting, the first thing we do after we pray is let's list the people who are going above and beyond or are doing things that we might tend to overlook and let's write them cards, let's send them little gifts, let's call them and tell them thank you. Mm -hmm. And we're glad that you're a part. We can't do what we do without people like you coming and making sure the doors are locked, coming in on a Saturday morning and changing light bulbs, getting that children's room ready. We can't we can't do what we do if we don't have all these people doing what you do. And we love you. We're thankful for you. Yeah, I like that. And I will say this. I read a book called Encouragement. The author, I forgot. Remember, I gave you the book. He wrote the other thing about manhood or something. Oh, Chansky. Yeah, yeah so, Chansky. And in that book, he outlined Ray Ortland, who's a pastor in Tennessee. They have a period, a, a, like a time of like honor for their men where it's kind of like a men's breakfast. But they literally, one man will be the focal point of a Sunday morning, and they'll just say, man, this is how I see Jesus in you. Mm, yeah. And so I looked at that, and so what I did was as a coach, I tried to get my girls in the same kind of in the same environment where I made sure I was like, I would say, you know, to my players, this is how, this is why I'm thankful you're on my team. So in that sense, um, we did try to do that. And, and I'm not, I think the girls enjoyed it. It's fuel. I mean, the book is called Encouragement, Adrenaline for Your Soul. So it's fuel for the soul in a sense. So that's anytime you can incorporate that too. Um, that's another practical way in terms of, I mean, isn't this great? So I think, I think maybe I like, I enjoyed that we implemented that this year, but I think I could still be better at it too. Yeah. Yeah. So just a quick recap of those leadership is here's where we're going. Mm -hmm. How are we going to get there? How are we doing getting there? And then isn't this great? Right. If you're doing those things regularly, I think you're going to, to lead people really, really well. Uh, so to close us up here, Brandon, talk to us about, what are a couple of resources that, that you have found to be helpful if people want to grow in their ability to lead at home, lead in their jobs, lead wherever? What are some resources where they can turn? Well, I think we, we talked about it 
a little bit. You really have to look at the life of Jesus, and that's the Christian thing to say. Like we're in, a, you know, we're sitting in our church right now, so I have, but it's really true, right? And like like we've talked about, I don't think Jesus came here to give excellent principles on leadership. Yeah, that's yeah, not that the mission. Jesus life coach, right? That's yeah, we're not, not talking. That's about not that. that. What I'm saying is, if you look at Jesus, he embodied servant leadership to the fullest and, and most pure form. All right, so I look at the life of Jesus, and then some other books. They're secular and non secular, but a book called Legacy by James Curris about the New Zealand All Blacks. He just studies it. They're an excellent organization, elite organization. There's a book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, a Navy SEAL. There's one by a high school football coach named Culture Beat Strategy. It just looks at just how much more important important culture is than any strategy you might have. And then from a Christian, more Christian-oriented, I think, spiritual leadership by J.S. Oswald Sanders, which we're reading together in a group now, too. And then lastly is Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. And I think the reason Don't Waste Your Life, it's not a leadership book, but it talks about how do you live your life towards one purpose, which the purpose is to magnify Jesus Christ and glorify God and all that you do. So it helped me really think about, I don't need to be a master of many things. I need to be a master of one thing in terms yeah. of pointing people to Jesus Christ too. So those are a few. I mean, I could, obviously that was challenging to, to narrow it down, but those are some things I read recently that really influenced me. Yeah, I would agree. Looking at the Bible, you mentioned... You mentioned Jesus. Again, we're not saying like Jesus on leadership. He, he didn't yeah. come to do that. But also you look at Paul's letters. If you think about the components of leadership we talked about, casting a vision, mm-hmm. Paul's doing that in his letters. Yeah. Here's, who you, here's what Christ has done for you. Here's the heights. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. He's glorious. Then he's given you how-tos, second half of Ephesians, second half of Colossians. Romans 12 to the end of the book. He's telling you, here's how you live in light of this glorious vision. He tells them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Beginning of his letters, oftentimes he says, here's things you're doing really, really well. Here's what things I'm thankful to God for. And then he'll get in, here's some things that you need to fix. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm reading through, I just read through recently the, the letters to the churches in Revelation. That's what Jesus does. Hey, you've done these things really, really well. I've got this against you. He's checking up on him. Mm-hmm. And then isn't this great? Paul is is wonderful at describing, hey, momentary light affliction. It's producing for us a weight of glory far beyond comparison. God has these things stored up for us, kept in heaven for us, ready to be revealed at the last time. He's he's telling us where you're going is, is a glorious end. So I think reading Paul is helpful. If you if you love others like Paul loved his churches, I think you'll be a good leader. Yeah. Uh, and then just one or two books that I would mention. One is Practicing Affirmation by Sam Crabtree. So if you think you're bad at that, yeah, that's a really good book to read as far down. as God-centered praise of other people. I like that subtitle you mentioned, Encouragement is Adrenaline for the Soul, because it's true. Yeah. When you come in and say, man, I see what you're doing, and it's so vital, that does – that doesn't encourage me to push my shoulders back. That encourages me to do it that much more. Right. So affirmation is is very, very important. Uh, and then lastly, I would say I would pick up a book like, again, something that puts God at the center. Don't Waste Your Life is, is a good one. I think another book by Piper, The Supremacy of God in Preaching. It sounds like, well, why do we need a read a preaching book. Mm-hmm. I told a friend not too long ago, I think every Christian should read that book because it's just about how God is supreme in all things. And if you get God is supreme right, 
you're yeah. going to be heading the right direction. Yeah. So guys, thanks for listening. I hope this podcast has been, has been helpful. And I pray that God would use these things to make you a better leader in whatever sphere you have. We'll see you next time.